Peasy Zone lives, lives. Yes, after a bit of a break, we're back, just in time to celebrate 30 years since the launch of the UK's first and best PC games mag. To your X-Wings Zone chums, issue one, standing by. Hello, and welcome to the podcast where members of the PC Zone team are reunited with the pages they worked on to bring you stories from beyond the games. My name is Richard Shoemaker, and for this episode, we are going back to the very beginning, the first issue of PC Zone, which exploded onto the newsstands in March 93. I have assembled four people without whom the magazine we all know, love and miss would never have come into being in the first place. They are the Right Honourable Lord Paul Lakin, PC Zone's launch editor, art editor Duncan Hemphill, who was responsible for the early design in the magazine, Zero Hero Tim Ponting, who would guide PC Zone through its formative years and beyond, and finally, Dennis Publishing and Game Magazine Publishing legend, Theresa Morn, the mother of PC Zone, or the Mon Mothma, if you will. Theresa, you're, you're more famous, I suppose, for your time with your Sinclair and Zero. But where did it all begin? How do you how do you come to join Dennis Publishing? Um, I I basically started at a company doing a Sinclair QL Plus magazine that went bust within eight weeks. Nothing to do with me, and I was scouting around for a job. And I looked and found a job at Your Sixty Four as production editor. And when I went to my first day, got in there and they said, oh, dear, we haven't sacked the person you're replacing yet. Come back in a week. Oh, my, <laughs> I turned up in a week. And that was my start of um, my um, career. And um, Paul Aiken, you, talk, you did talk about your, your early years at Dennis in a previous episode. But how did the Lord Paul Aiken name come about? That is all down to Duncan MacDonald, who used to... Um, write a sort of intro for each reviewer at the beginning. I think this he, this was in Zero, but I think he'd started doing it in Your Sinclair. And um, he created characters for each reviewer. And, um, for example, Maka was this sort of psychopathic, violent person. For reasons I don't understand, he got it into his head that I was a bit posh. Um, so he turned me into Lord Paul, um, who was a keen vexiologist, which I didn't know until I looked it up after he started writing it, is someone who's uh, keen on the world of flags and flag design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I wish he was I, around to explain that. Um, only Duncan. Duncan Hemphill, we'll, we'll get on to how you develop the visual identity of Zone later, but, um, yeah, what led to you becoming part of the team, Dennis? Um well, I, I needed jobs. <laughs> uh, when I came out of art school, uh, at the wrong end of the 80s, I came out of the art school just as the res- 80s was ending and recession starting. So it was the first job I applied for, and was, I got it. So I, I, publishing sort of it sort of worked for me because um, I like drinking. So <laughs> at the time, I liked drinking. Didn't we all? And yeah. everybody drank, and everybody sat around and did very little until the last minute, and that was very much way i like to do things back then was it so, origi- did you originally start on games magazines uh well my first job out of art college was to work on the launch of zero oh, so right, okay. that's where that's where my, i was the junior designer on that then i went off and did some for another company because obviously everybody thinks grass is greener 
and it isn't always greener. And then Teresa asked me back, so came back, and I think that was to launch Game Zone, I think. Oh yeah, and then that morphed into PC Zone. Tim Ponting. Oh, the- and also I had oh. no interest in computer games at all. So I, I know that people listening to this. I, I don't think any. I don't know any art editor who's ever had an interest in. So I had no interest in. <laughs> yeah. I know it's fascinating. I actually fascinated looking through the magazine at how bad the games were back visually, visually back then. But um, and now I, I have a son, teenage son, who spends uh, all his waking hours uh, playing computer games, <laughs> and they're quite good now. So. <laughs> apparently, uh, yeah, apparently but- quite good. Yeah. Can I interject and say, actually, I actually think it was a good thing that Duncan wasn't into computer games because one of the things that we wanted to do with Zero and PC Zone was actually move away from that sort of traditional kind of messy look of and and be a bit more sophisticated. Although, to be fair, I remember Duncan spending a lot of time playing PGA Tour golf. (laughs) I did like that, the golf. And I like sensible soccer for some reason. I did like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and SimCity. So I did get hooked by a few of them. Well, I'm actually getting ahead of things here, but I remember, I remember Paul, when we, when we spoke before, you did say that Duncan knew his games almost as better as well as anyone almost on the, on the team. He became quite a critical, so you'd, the reviews had to not only go through the editorial process, but then Duncan might suggest that the reviewer had misunderstood the game or had got the assessment wrong and would uh, suggest changes. I did, yeah. I did, it was one of the a strange kind of art editor. I did actually read what I was laying out. So um, I, <laughs> I was always quite opinionated, especially more opinionated back then. That is really now, right. now, as I work for my wife for a living, I'm less opinionated because <laughs> it's best just to have the same opinion as she has usually. Right, Tim. Tim Ponting, in the flannel panel of PC Zone issue one, which was where, of course, all the staff and freelancers and everyone who worked on the mag were listed, you and Teresa are credited as publishers together. Um, can you quickly explain what a publisher does and why PC Zone needed two? <laughs> well, PC Zone didn't need two publishers, um, really. It was just there was an overlap. So, yeah, the, it, it was a weird situation where um, at Christmas, at the end of 1992, there was a kind of change of management at Dennis and loads and loads of senior people um, uh, were leaving and lots of juniors like me were being promoted. So Therese was all, already well on the way to um, having PC Zone ready. The, the team was working on it already. And it was all her work, all her idea and all her kind of uh, creative stuff as a as a long uh, kind of path, really, from your Sinclair through Zero to, to PC Zone. But yeah, the Christmas party, it was announced that I was going to take you over the games magazines as publisher, which was literally the first time I heard heard of it. And so I had a little bit to do with um, issue one, but very little. It was it was mostly kind of the, the launch team. And it was only after Teresa left that I was really there. But yeah, I, I, I guess... My salary went up on January the 1st that year. <laughs> so I guess that's why I got the, t- the title publisher. But yeah, it was very much Teresa's work. Let's go back to the very beginning of Zone, which was back actually in 91, when Dennis Publishing launched Game Zone magazine. Um bit of history dennis had sold your sinclair to future publishing the previous year uh zero the 16-bit successor um uh, which was mostly st amiga and pc if i recall 
I should recall because I was a fan, um, was celebrating two years. And GameZone was then launched to mark off on the console side. I remember buying that as well. Didn't like it though because didn't have console. Um, Duncan, you were the art editor and, and helped launch GameZone. And the design re- very much informed all the kind of games, uh, you know, Sega Zone and everything else, PC Zone yeah. as well. Can you explain how the zone look came about? Well, I guess I was trying to do something that looked slightly Japanese because all the consoles came from Japan. So that's why. And also, I like the fact that I wanted the Z and the N to be the same character, which is, you know, I, I, like, I like designing type. So it's an excuse to spend a lot of time designing logos and type stuff. So I'm trying to make it, yeah, kind of yeah, Japanese y and fun. Yeah. What, what sort of magazines did, did kind of informed you? Because I, I think I heard somewhere <laughs> like Face and things like that. We, we... Uh, yeah, I like Neville Brody. Yeah, so that's what they. That's uh, I think that's where my nickname was at, at art schools. Yeah, they used to call me that. So I liked I like the Face. I like Neville Brody. So it uh, is that the PC Zone the Zone font is very Neville Brody actually. But actually aesthetically, I wanted to be Peter, Peter Savile, which um, would have meant just putting a, a black cover with no text. Maybe a tiny picture of a rose or something like that, which would have got me sacked. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Paul, as you were the launch editor of Game Zone before it was spun out uh, into uh, game, well, was it Game Zone became Nintendo Game Zone. Sega Zone uh, launched at the same time, didn't it? Yeah. So end of ninety two. What can you remember? Because obviously a lot of magazines around at Dennis. So what can you remember? Remember that time. Funny enough, I probably remember less about Game Zone than I do PC Zone. Maybe it's just it's slightly further away. And I'm picking up on what Duncan said. If I, I sometimes think if I had my life again, we should have gone a bit harder on the Japanese design with with, with hindsight, and we'd have been um, ahead of the time on that. And I thought that occasionally. And well, for Game Zone or for or for for Game PC Zone, Zone, I think because that had the very much the the, the sort of Japanese culture around it and. Um, um, I'm not sure if uh, the owner of Dennis Publishing, Felix, would have necessarily gone for that. But it went through to it. What do I remember? I mean, it was obviously very, it was, there had been a console mag within Zero. So it was really expanding that out. It, it was initially sort of Zero for consoles. And then then we changed the design. I can't remember how far in and, and made the design because consoles were perceived as a bit younger. We went for a a slightly younger look and writing style. Probably the two main memories I have are to do with taking pictures, which sounds a bit dodgy. Um, one was I just looking back on it to take a Game Boy, a screenshot of a Game Boy. We used to have something like a setting up of a science lab with a camera over a Game Boy screen all clamped down, and the quality of the pictures we got were frankly rubbish. Um, and then Jane Goldman, now a very successful screenwriter and um, a wife of Jonathan Ross, they had one of the early televisions that you could pause. So we used to go around to their house occasionally so that we could take screenshots because they could actually pause the game, which we weren't able to do with our high-tech setup at Dennis. So it was originally just zero for consoles, and, and then it changed a bit, a bit and became a bit sort of younger and trying to be a bit funkier than that. That's my, that's my main memories. I think there was also the um, the, the the whole argument between uh, multi-format and specific um, format titles at the time, um, which is why Game Zone ended up being split into Nintendo Zone and Sega Zone. Was there any any interest in kind of taking it beyond that? I mean, obviously, because Atari was still around then, weren't there? And, and obviously, Sony would 
were doing stuff in the, in the background? Yeah, at the, at the time I had, I mean, I was on the board, I think, in, yeah, certainly 1990, I think I joined the board. At the time, the games division, and I can remember this vividly, sitting in a boardroom, the games division was seen very much as the sort of poor relation to the rest of Dennis particularly since Computer Shopper was so successful and there was a lot more money to be made in the advertising. Mm. Um, And I can remember sitting in a board meeting with Felix Dennis saying, no, but actually games are going to be like films. It's going to be like the film and music industry and and they'll be making making sort of films uh, out of games, which is before Tomb Raider. And Mm. I remember they just laughed at me and he said, don't be so bloody stupid. (laughs) Um, which now I sit and think, well, actually, Felix, you didn't know everything. Um, So it was a real struggle because I wanted to pitch for PlayStation. When PlayStation, um, Sony PlayStation, they were going out to people could tender for that magazine as the official one. They didn't want to and they didn't do it. And even to get PC Zone launched was quite a big fight. Yeah. We'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Tim, you you were... Would have been on zero in terms of the game zone days. You you would have been on zero then, is that right? Um, so I left zero in ninety one. I think it was to launch Computer Buyer. Um, it, it, to echo what what Theresa said, it was like um, Bruce Orford was the publisher on the floor below in Rathbone Place. I remember him coming up and said, "How do you fancy working on a proper magazine?" And I was kind of a bit bit upset about that at the time um but they just wanted to launch a magazine called computer buyer to protect computer shopper against ziff davis and a big american publisher coming into the uk so it was I, I kind of got got lured away by a jump in salary which is a bit weird when you're working for the same company um and uh, ended up working on on a business PC magazine, which was a little bit soul-destroying for a while. So, yeah, while GameZone and SegaZone, all those mags were launching, I was working further downstairs in Rathbone Place on a very, very boring computer magazine. You, you sold out, basically. 486s. I sold out. Yeah, I sold out completely. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I was a bit of a tosser, really, so... Um, <laughs> Apologies to everybody, but when I came back and 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 worked on the the games mags again, it was an enormous relief, and I loved it. Um, but as as Theresa said, for, you know, working throughout the entire history, the next ten years, it was always just a fight to keep the games division from being booted out. That's how it how it felt um, because we never made enough money, and nobody was ever particularly happy um, with it. But Felix. Felix had quite a vision um, a lot of the time, and he did predict things quite accurately, but we didn't necessarily interpret the way to act on that in a business sense particularly well, I don't think. You know, like launching CD-ROM magazine, which is something we did, we didn't realize that CD-ROM wasn't a thing. It was just like a floppy disk. So nobody would have launched floppy disk magazine, <laughs> but that's all it was, you know. Um, we, we confused the medium with the with the message but yeah they, they were good times but um yeah we never really made a lot of money i keep forgetting about that one because that's that's the one warren christmas came over to do it to work on wasn't it he came from yeah yeah Christ. warren worked on it yeah yeah and mark heim of course um who'd, yeah, who yeah. we'd lured from future um 
Teresa, you, you you just mentioned there about pitching zone, and I remember you saying when we spoke a while back, you talked about you you actually pitched PC zone to Dennis to Felix, maybe eighteen months to a year before it actually launched. So yeah, would that probably, have been around the time of Game Zone, or, or? Yeah, it probably was. It probably was around the time of Game Zone. Uh, Zero would have been established, and it was noticeable that actually, looking at the adverts, looking at what was happening in the market, that people were buying PC games. The big argument that I had, again, you know, is Felix, and he had some trusty advisors who weren't necessarily down with the kids, if you like. Um, and they were just basically saying, there's no way people will buy a PC to play games. And they were adamant. And I said, no, there's no PC magazine out there, which is solely games. We could put a disc on the cover. We'd, it would be, you know, I knew it would be a big success. Well, I thought it would be. That was my hunch. Um, and I think we launched a little bit. We definitely launched too late. Um, I think we would have... It was a, it was more of a battle because of that delay, and I would guess the delay was probably around eighteen months to two years. Um, it took a long time for them to eventually agree to do it. So yeah, that was frustrating, and there were a few things like that. You know, I pitched a later magazine to Felix, not in the games industry, but I look back and think, why didn't I just do it myself? Which was a magazine called Pure, which was all about having eating well, sort of veganism, not having sort of chemicals in paints, you know, all that, everything that's kind of like quite big now. But he said, oh, there's no market for it. So Felix was very good, I think, at going to the States or going elsewhere, looking what was, what was successful and thinking we can do that better. And I think that's what his model was. If you look at Maxim, you know, he looked at other things first. He looked at things like FHM and thought, I can do that better. I can monetize it. And, you know, good for him. He made a very good success out of doing that. So he he never really considered, you know, it wasn't about being first with something. It was about being better, I guess. I think it was mostly about being better. Um, he acquired magazines like PCW. He, um, you know, there were some, I think, even Mac, even Mac User, which was the first in the UK, he saw that in the States first. So, yeah, I think a lot of it was looking at what was in the market and how he could do it better. So he was um, – and I think, you know, picking up on what Tim said, they just couldn't really – they didn't really get the game side of things. I don't think they had that vision to see that it would be as big as it is now, that the market would be, you know, that huge, that it would be part, It would be like music, it would be like film. Um, I just don't think people saw it that way. Because you've got to remember, this was kind of late 80s, early 90s. And the technology of games has moved on so much in that in that time and how they look, how they play. I just don't think at that point in time when you were kind of looking at things like, you know, Prince of Persia. We used to, I remember joking. Do you remember we used to play that in the evenings into the early hours? It was one of my favourites. And we used to gingerly move because the, the graphics were so sort of jerky. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I just think it was about he couldn't visualise that the market would be worth that much. It still seemed like a very kind of hobbyist market rather than a, a kind of global market. But the, I mean, the games mags were successful, though. I mean, I, he, I guess at that point, hadn't sold your, um, hadn't sold your YS, but 
No, he hadn't sold YS, but he did something. I mean, I'm going to be quite frank. Felix is not here to hear me. But we changed YS from how it was. I mean, it, it was declining because obviously the, you know, the, the, the machine was declining. And he insisted we change it to a comic format. And I wanted to sell it or close it. I didn't want to do that. I felt that devalued what YS was all about when it went that sort of horrible comic. And so, but we did do it because that's what we were told to do at the time, even though I did fight against it. And it wasn't successful in that format because the market was, but the market was moving on, you know, consoles were becoming that much bigger and that machine was, people were, you know, turning away from it to, to work on different machines. So I think because of the fact that that magazine had struggled, I think Felix sometimes wasn't very good at actually just cut your losses now, you know rather than the sort of making it sort of carry on going when it shouldn't have carried on going. And I think the same thing happened, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Zero, pretty much the same thing happened. We did, we, it turned into a bit of a comic type approach, which didn't really work. Um, yeah. But that was appropriate for PC Zone because the market, the audience was, was different. Yeah. So, so what, what changed his mind then? Because, so, okay, so I think Zero would have, no, was still, I can't remember now, Zero was still going. But, um, so, you know, had Game Zone, you had Nintendo, had Sega Zone. Um, what, what changed that, that, that Felix got behind the idea of a PC Zone? I can't remember the exact change. I suspect I probably kept going on about it. Um, and I think, I can't remember, Tib, you r- might remember, I think somebody else was either launching a magazine or had launched a magazine, but was more general, not specifically games, but put a disc on the cover with a game or something like that. And I think they thought, okay, we'll we'll, we'll go ahead. And I think he just gave me the go- he gave me the go ahead to to sort of, all right, it's sort of on your head, be it if it all goes wrong. Um, yeah, which was very yeah. much his, his attitude. Here's here's your rope. You can either you know, do well or hang yourself. <laughs> yep, that's certainly true. Um, yeah, I think I think it was just a lot of circumstances started to indicate that uh, Teresa was right. Um, so uh, multi-format magazines were covering PC stuff more and more. There were more games being sold at retail at that stage. And I think some people like, I recall Dick Panton, maybe he, he kind of started changed his tune a bit and some exactly. of the other board you're members. quite right yeah dick pounton was the voice against at the beginning um, yeah i think he i think he probably backed down a bit um and i i remember you know we were we were talking about games more um when i was on computer by hiss um and people were playing more games so i think it was just he saw more and more little things falling into place and and yeah gave Teresa the chance to do it um and it was it was definitely the right thing to do it was the right decision <laughs> so Teresa you brought when you okay so the PC zone's been greenlit or whatever um and you you pull Paul and Duncan off of game zone onto PC zone was that always part of your plan the way I worked is I'm a really strong believer in giving people opportunities you know, I can think of a couple of, Duncan McDonald was one, for example, he, you know, 
a lot of people probably wouldn't have t- taken a chance on Duncan and he wasn't your normal sort of writer and he wasn't reliable. So he couldn't, although he was a staff writer, I let him go with turning up at past 11 or whatever, but he'd work into the night and you kind of, but he was so genius that, that it was worth it and it didn't matter you know, you could work what we what you now call flexible working. Um, <laughs> probably wasn't seen so much then. It was like nine till five, or in our respect, it was ten till six at the time. Um, but Duncan never made it in for ten. Um, it's like David Wilson. He applied for a job. He wasn't right for that. But I really liked him, and I really thought he was, you know, passionate. And eventually, created a job for him effectively as a staff writer. And I think, yeah, I mean, Duncan and Paul had both proved themselves in what they were doing. And I think to keep good people, you've got to keep them challenged. Yeah. And no, sorry, I'm, just, I'm, just, when, I'm just thinking when, when you, um, sorry, when you st- first started, you know, producing pieces own, planning pieces own, obviously I was just thinking more, more Duncan here, Duncan Hempel here um, and Paul that you, cause they were obviously, you know, the team running game zone, um, but you pulled them off game zone and put them onto PC zone. So, yeah, but that was I was able to, I was able to give other people chances to then move up on Game Zone and Sega Zone. So I'm pretty certain Amaya became editor of one oh, of them. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so, about so Duncan. What was the what was the appeal of of doing PC Zone? Um, I'd like to say it was more money, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just stopped doing as a designer. You want to do? I just wanted to do something different. I think you always want to design something new. The only downside, I think, to working on magazines is you tend to be doing the same design again and again. Really. So, is it is there a, is there an, basically an appeal to just go? Well, it's it's a new magazine. I want to work on that. I mean, do, do, um, does does working on a magazine for years on end get pretty? Because I personally, I mean, from a as writing point of view, never really feel that. But I guess from a, a design point of view, you do. Uh, I think as a designer, I wanted to keep designing just more magazines. So yeah, so uh, that the bit of the job I liked was just creating them. What about you, Paul? Yeah, what was, uh, what was the Yeah, I think um, from an editor's editing point of view, I think it's almost like a football manager. You've probably got about eighteen months, two years, and and then on that particular project, you'll you you sort of run out of ideas and you're repeating yourself a bit. So um, that was one of the reasons I was keen to keen to try, you know, a new title. And also, I enjoyed. There's, it's very different launching a magazine than doing issue 10 or issue 11 and I, I really enjoyed later same with websites i always enjoyed the launching and the first two or three issues maybe more than issue eight or nine um and also i suppose you know i was the old man in the office and and pc zone was going to be a slightly older target audience than game zone and maybe the humor could be slightly older and 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 the design so so those were the the, the main things that appealed and yeah i just thought i'd done my time on on game zone um there was i mean there was, we talked about there's a continuity of, of design in terms of you know from game zone to pc zone was there an, an intention to be a continuity of, of writers as well or was it just a case of well they got you know you know people like duncan mcdonald and, and Macca and everyone was it just a case of well bring them over well you'd be mad having them in the office not to use them because they were so talented and they were you know there's a a line between your Sinclair all the way through to PC Zone, and and it was successful. And it worked, and they would, despite yeah some of the frustrations with Duncan's timekeeping and reliability. But, you know, they were a really talented, b great people to work with. But we also used the opportunity to bring in new people, partly because you know by then P 
people like Duncan Mack who are covering two or three magazines, so you weren't going to get um, as much from them. You know, you couldn't rely on them to fill the magazine. And also, the PC market was different. There was a more technical element to it as well. We had a more technical element in the magazine, so we needed um, we needed to bring in new writers with different expertise. While I think, yeah, Duncan Mack, Patrick, and others kept the the tone and the brand. And then there was Jeremy Daldry, who's now a producer. He's just done Sonic for Channel 4, I think, which is uh, came third in some awards recently. And, of course, Charlie Brooker. There we are. We broke all this talent. We did. And Jane Goldman was another one. I can remember having a very drunken conversation with her outside the, what was the pub on the corner opposite Newman Street? Oh, I know. One Marcus Agramby. No, not that. That no, not the other side. Yeah, the Rose and Crown, I think. That's it. Uh, with yeah, and uh, I can remember her coming in and saying, "I'm saying to her, do you want to write some games reviews?" And I can remember. Do you remember when she um she turned up and brought a load of stuff back? I'm really sorry. It was Cap who over all over the cables, but our cats had diarrhea. Um, <laughs> I still remember that. <laughs> well, I had, I had on, their, on their cats I remember as I said earlier I used to go I, well, a couple of times I went round to their house to um, take photographs using their sort of trendy Japanese pause TV and I walked in and she said I'm really sorry if the house smells of cats because we've got quite a lot of kittens and whatever we can't smell anything and I thought Jesus Christ if you can't smell anything then and I then became paranoid about my own cats I thought God people really do get immune because the house reeked of cats uh, and yet they seemed immune to it can you can you recall the the process because um it seemed to be quite quick i mean i think when we did when you did zero there was a you know there was a dummy issue wasn't there there was an issue zero that was given away i think you know that is correct yeah yeah we did a we did a um we got these guys that came in one was called mick i can't remember his name and then vicky took over and she was very much an editorial designer like duncan so in actual fact, a designer that does read stuff and they are the best designers. And Martin Martin Dixon also did a bit of work on the launch of the media pack and stuff like that. He's a very similar designer in that respect. I've forgotten your question already. <laughs> no, but did, did, was any of that kind of effort going, did, did, did that happen for PC Zone? Was there any kind of... Uh, there wasn't a pre there wasn't no. i don't recall a pre-launch um i think by that time i had launched uh well we'd relaunched your sinclair i'd launched zero we'd done game zone and then we'd launched uh sega zone nintendo zone and i also was had done 90 minutes we did a relaunch of 90 minutes the weekly football magazine so i think at that point yeah we just wanted to get on with it i think it was and done we, quite quickly yeah, if and I we had a. We, I think Sorry. we had we had the we had the people in place. We had. A, I'm not, I don't want to use the word formula as such, but we knew what worked. I think we were just that bit more confident, and we knew what we wanted. We knew we wanted a PC games magazine, um, so it made it I think easier than perhaps doing something like Zero, which Zero was a real departure from how games magazines had been previously. PC Zone followed in those footsteps, I think. It was more like Zero, I would say, than Game Zone or, uh, or Nintendo Zone or Sega Zone. What, was there any worry that, I mean, like you said, you, you reckon Zone launched, possibly magazine launched a bit too late uh, to your liking, but um, was there any worry that, you know, Future or EMAP would get in there first? Was, was, that, was that the thinking? Yes. 
right. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I felt I felt we'd left it quite late anyway. There were murmurings, you know, people were seeing themselves that people were buying. You know, the percentage of games sold on PC, as Tim alluded to, was increasing compared to, you know, in, on other formats. So it was inevitable that somebody would go quite soon. So yeah, we once once we'd been given the green light, we wanted to get out there because being first does help. Before we get back to telling the story of PC Zone's launch, a question: Do you want to keep up with the latest scientific developments? If so, then check out New Scientist's award-winning flagship show, New Scientist Weekly. Join the team of New Scientist journalists as they dissect the most fascinating stories to hit the headlines over the past seven days, with input from renowned experts that will bring you bang up to date on the latest breakthroughs in tech, space, health, and the environment. Listen to New Scientist Weekly at newscientist.com slash podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favourite shows like this one. So before we go through the innards of uh, PC Zone's launch issue, let's uh, see what the PC gaming landscape was like. There was a new tech company called NVIDIA uh, came into being, famous, of course, for its GPUs today and investing in uh, chat GPT. Um, Intel introduces the Pentium processor, but it was the 486 uh, that would have been seen as top of the range. I think I would have bought one around this time. Um, the internet is effectively born when uh, Tim Berners-Lee releases the source code for the world's first web browser and editor. And version one of Mosaic, the first web browser able to dis- display images, is released. Can anyone remember whether, I mean, did, did you guys use the internet at this time? Was it accessible? No. <laughs> From my point of view, no. I, I, so, I uh, do remember. Well, yeah. Sorry, Duncan. Yeah. No, I I never heard of it back then, I don't think. Email was like a first. (laughs) We'd only just got email, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. we moved into Bolsover Street, I think, and we got email. Did we get it before Yeah, Yeah, we got it in Bolsover Street, which would have been 1992 or something. Did we all have email accounts? I'm not sure I had one. Maybe I did, I don't know. Because, I mean, I joined the magazine in 97, and we had... We had email, but if we we couldn't go on the internet, oh no, we could. What was it we couldn't do? There was something we oh, I can't remember what it was now. There's only there was only one computer that could do something very particular. And I can't remember what it was, but that was ninety seven. So yeah, yeah. I, think we, uh, I think we had a an ISDN computer with an ISDN line card, which you used to send files to the bureau. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, it Which was it was very weird back then because. Um, I I do recall we were when the internet did turn up and we were kind of begrudgingly paying attention to it and it's it's actually much the same now it's just really fast it's still full of rubbish but so it's all dial up then wasn't it it was all and it was really slow yeah and you forget that you had to pay per minute didn't you if you had the internet, and also if you if you were on the internet at home, you none of none of none of anyone in your house could make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it seemed like the future at the time, anyway. It didn't. Um, 
And um, at this time, I think it was uh, April or March or April was the first ECTS of 1993 held at Islington's Business Design Center. Would anyone anyone have gone for the mag? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There, I think we went to every single one. And I remember, although actually it wasn't, it was after Paul's time, but I think it was in the just after John Davison had started. We went for lunch opposite the Business Design Center at ECTS with it was Dan Emery and me and John Davison. I was wearing a suit at the time, and of course they were just wearing jeans and t-shirt. Um, and somebody thought that um, I was a businessman who'd picked up a couple of rent boys. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Uh, yeah, Islington was not the place you expected to go to find a bunch of kind of computer game people wandering around. So it was all very incongruous. Um, uh, Duncan, how, how was the magazine put together? I mean, um, I remember it all being very digital when I started in 97, but I mean, when PC Zone started, was it, was everything digital then, or was it still using the old, the old fashioned ways of cutting out things and sticking them on, whatever? I have a feeling that with GameZone, we were, we went totally digital then. Zero, we had, um, it was, we sent stuff out to be (coughs) typeset and then uh, pasted it up by hand. I'm pretty sure, what was that? That was your Sinclair, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I think Sinclair's, zero was zero was digital, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was it was galley proof on your Sinclair, hundred percent. That's right, yeah. Because I remember uh, I helped, I did work on that for a bit, with helping. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we moved to I can't remember who, whether it was um, Perry Neville's agency. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was PageMaker. We were using PageMaker. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I got the job because I, when I was at art college, they they bought one Mac two and about five or six uh, SEs and. All the other art students were not interested in the talks. They were rubbish. But I just saw, actually, even though I didn't see the potential of the internet, I saw the potential of the Macs, and I just loved them. And I just, uh, I could use PageMaker. So, and I, when I got there, I realised I was the most, even though I didn't really know what I was doing, um, everybody else above me knew far less. So, yeah. So, yeah, I helped with that. But, um, yeah, I think so. I think it was pretty much, yeah, sending out to Perry, which I think was done. Was it done by disk or ISDN? Maybe it was done by zip drive. I'm not sure. I remember lots of zip drives going around. Yeah. Jazz drives as well. Jazz yeah. drives, yeah. Because they had a gig of memory. So they were, you could, you could, I remember thinking, I'm never going to be able to fill up my jazz drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gigabytes, not very much anymore. No, God. Um, Paul, what was the vibe like in the office um, during the making of the first issue? And, and what was it, how did it compare? to uh, GameZone? I think a bit, a bit like Teresa said earlier, I think it more compared to PC, uh, sorry, to Zero, And uh, it was the classic um, launch atmosphere, um, lots of late night working, lots of wondering where Duncan and Macca were with the copy that they'd promised us two weeks ago. Um, quite quite exciting. I mean, it was interesting because it, it was a mix. It was a new team. I think probably... When Zero launched GameZone, it was it was very much the old crew working together still. Whereas this was sort of fifty percent of the old crew, and some people had to come in, come in new. Uh, so that made it slightly different. But yeah, no, it was you know good good fun. I, as I say I really like working on launch issues. I mean, for me, the the main memory is the fact that we'd got the X Wing cover in return for an exclusive preview, which we were promised. Uh, a playable demo and then about three days before press day we got a 
disc with five screenshots on, I think, and a press release. And I had five pages of magazine to fill based on that, which was was quite fun. That, that, that's the thing that sticks in my mind from that time. Yeah, I was I was actually reading that um, X-Wing preview today, uh, or was it last night? And it was very much in the zone style of, of, of half of it being not <laughs> not about the game at all. Um, that's because I didn't have the game. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very readable, which is also the kind of the Dennis way, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, the writing. It was all about the writing, very much so. And that's why it was important to have really talented writers. And there were times where possibly we veered off a bit too much into the but it was just fun, you know, and people liked it um, and they liked reading about other stuff. And I think that goes back to the the idea that instead of being computer games geeks, they was, these were like teenagers that had other interests and that was the whole premise of, of moving your Sinclair from your spectrum to your, uh, from your spectrum to your Sinclair to actually start to incorporate other things that people were interested in. And I think the other thing was being funny, being amusing. People like reading funny stuff. Um, and I think that's what gave them their their character. Were, were there any other covers considered? Can anyone remember any cover, different games on the cover or different discussions with publishers about what might be on the cover? I can't remember. Paul, you might remember. I think we would have been. I can't remember what was on the original disc. So that would have made. Uh, that would have been I've one of the. This hit Major Striker. That's the, and Zool, the Legends of Valor. I, I think. I, I, I don't know if others would consider that. That was definitely the one we wanted from the outset because that was that was going to be the big game, um, and obviously with the film tie-in and all that sort of thing. So I can't remember if we had a backup, but I, I know that was. That I, was I don't think we had a backup. I, I think I remember that. Um, yeah, we 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 had it all set and ready to run, but no, as you said, no actual review or preview that we could run apart from a few screenshots. And yeah. so we just winged it as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was was it from beginning to end? Was it was it put together quite quickly? I only say that because I I read it cover to cover, have read it cut to cover, to cover in the last couple of days. Noticed quite a few typos. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Paul. I told you he couldn't spell. Kirsty was the production editor. That was she, my uh, recruiting. No, we had a very good production editor, but to be fair, in her job interview, I spent the whole time asking about the project she'd done on the migratory habits of long-haired Siberian hamsters. So I probably <laughs> didn't delve down into her production skills as much as I might. <laughs> was it her first job as a production editor? I think it was her first job. Um, yeah. But I think in those days, production editors tended, um, I mean, particularly, you know, in, in, in the games industry or whatever, you got people who were, you know, they might have done a bit of freelance work or whatever, but, but you tended to get people who weren't that experienced uh, in, in being a production editor, but very good with long-haired Siberian hamsters. <laughs> One of the things that's quite interesting looking at the magazine now, I think from a design point of view, is just how uh, how many panels and and kind of annotated box outs there were in 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 all the previews and all the reviews um i wouldn't say it seems dated but i mean it's um i guess it's very much of its time but i mean that seemed that that kind of design decision stands out was that well i guess it was intentional that's a stupid question but um it it, you know where you have a four-page preview or a four-page review but basically a one page of text and the rest of it's all kind of box outs and stuff 
Um, was that all quite difficult to do? From are you talking from a, a design point of view? Or? Yeah, I mean it's very busy. It, see, it, uh, it's quite busy. Yeah, I mean it was a conscious decision. It was a conscious decision by the editorial by Teresa to make to have lots of things um, on there. It was about the same sort of instead of having a page of thick text and a screenshot. It was making it kind of, and it, yeah, maybe looking back, maybe it was too busy. But actually, if you think about how kids access information now, it's even more bitty. And it was about having um, chunks of information sort of presented in a way that was actually visually appealing, that you could dip in, you could dip into that bit, you could dip into another bit, and actually almost breaking the games down to make it more interesting um, and more accessible than just like a big load of swathes of text really yeah and being a launch issue of course the letters page was uh clearly uh <laughs> fabricated i quite no i i, I quite like the fact that um paul all the let le- all the letters on your page your, your word process page are all from the world cup winning england 1966 team and all the ones on mark Burgess's tech pa- letters page are all uh, poets <laughs> poets yeah, and all Mark was a lot more intellectual than me he, he was one of the most scarily intelligent people i've ever worked with yeah. i mean present company accepted of course <laughs> it's just it's just a great to look through the magazine because there's so many things in there that are just forgotten about like um you know the the, the predominance of public domain and and shareware titles and in fact if you go through the magazine you know when you look through an old magazines the, the adverts are almost as telling as the the editorial mm. and the fact that the, there's even though you said um teresa that you know there was a lot of games coming out there's actually quite a few not many games being advertised in the, the issue and the, a lot of the adverts are um, no you're right the adverts there was more money to be made that was the other thing about sort of doing a pc zone um games magazine was actually yeah there was more advertising revenue available outside of the games industry at that point they didn't pay that much for their full-page adverts, whereas it was already established in titles like Buyer and Shopper. Well, that's, I, that's what I was wondering. Did 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 you were there deals with kind of Buyer and Shopper? Because there's some adverts there, but obviously would have been more at home, possibly in Shopper. Was it difficult finding advertising? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that that was the one of the hardest things. I think was um, because you had so many titles, especially in the games side of things. So the market got quite saturated, which meant obviously that drove advertising revenue down. So from when we, for example, launched um, Zero to the point where you know it was closed, the advertising revenue, you know, it was financially very, very successful for quite a long time. We did an awful lot of revenue on the subscription side of things as well. Um, but as the market became more saturated, obviously the advertising was, and they could, you know, they could, you know, people were undercutting and it was very hard to, to maintain your page rates. And so on PC zone, in areas of hardware, PC hardware and some of the software, which wasn't games, um, you could, the ads actually gain, you know, you could get more money for them than you would a games, a games advert. And um, Tim, just uh, carrying up on, carry, uh, picking up on this, there was, I think so. Like we said, later in the year, later that year, '93, PC Gamer launched, and obviously there was. There was I think there were three three PC gaming magazines launched in December. One of them being PC Gamer, and I, I'm not sure who I heard it from, but I think they 
there was difficulty getting advertising for the, for those some of those magazines to continue. They only lasted a couple of couple of issues. Um, yeah. How did you find advertising? You know, in that first year, was it difficult for the whole year, or was it? Did things get better? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it, it it was it was definitely difficult, and but we definitely benefited from um, getting some leverage from from particularly Computer Shopper. So I do remember there were there was a bit of wheeler dealing went on. It's like go on, um, get get an ad in PC Zone as well, and um, you know it's it's much cheaper than Computer Shopper and blah 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 blah. So they, yeah, there was quite a lot of wheeling and dealing um, going on. But um, Teresa, one thing that Teresa did allude to that that really helped us was the focus on subscriptions. So Dennis was very good at that, and I think. That was something Felix had learned from from America, where they have a very different kind of dynamic. Um, uh, you know, it was mostly newsstand driven in in the UK, um, but we we ended up with like nearly half of the um, copy sales of, of PC Zone being on subscription, which gave us a lot of security of of income and a lot of predictability um, comparatively around the the ABC certificate. You say how many, what your circulation was likely to be. So over time, I think the the business case for PC Zone got stronger. The other effect, I think, of getting competitors, the really serious competitor obviously was PC Gamer right from day one. But having lots of magazines actually in some ways made it easier because you could be the leader. And then, you know, once you were the best in the market, then it was easier to kind of try and stabilize those rate cards and, and, and not give as much away. And we got some good ad managers as well over the years working on the on the magazine, who uh, many of whom went on to be quite senior at, at Dennis further down the line. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, was, that, um, was that launch issue of PC Zone? Well, I guess it was a success, but I mean, what by what by what measure was it deemed a success? Can you can you recall? I guess Tim, you would have been there for Ooh, that. So yeah, I think I think it did the biggest numbers for the you know for the first few issues, but I think we we climbed back up quite rapidly that Christmas um, to to be similar to the launch issue figures, um, and. I mean, I think, you know, by 1990, late 94, early 95, we really kind of got the formula right for, for making money. <laughs> the only thing I ever worked on it, Dennis, that ever made any money was, was PC Zone. And it only really made money for about two years. And the rest of the time, it, it, it lost money. Um, <laughs> I remember when I left in 2000, sitting down with Al Ramsey and just working out how much I'd actually cost Dennis Publishing. Um, as a as a publisher, and it was it was quite funny. Um, I think it was something that Felix commented on as well. <laughs> Ponting the man who never makes any money. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the, we 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 got the uh, we got the formula right, which was uh, trying to get as much um, incidental revenue from publishers trying to games publishers trying to make their games bigger than anybody else's. So we started doing all these supplements, which the editorial team nearly killed us for because it was like hey we've just sold a 32 page supplement to uh, microprose and they'd be like okay who's gonna who's gonna lay it out who's gonna write it and it would be like oh you are <laughs> it's like okay we're already doing 160 pages of magazine and now another 32 pages of supplement but we used to sell those for 
for like a hundred grand a pot um, and make fifty percent markup on them, and so that that went a long way to um, offsetting the really soft um, page advertising market. Sorry, it was a very long-winded. Um, I will say one of the side. things, though, I would say is the success of your launch issue, and it's, it used. To, I mean, I miss the games industry a lot now. And working on magazines, but the thrill of actually people buying it—you know, it's sold copies. I mean, the advertising great. You need the advertising for you know, for you know, Tim's right. You need the revenue to in order to be able to pay all your staff and everything. But the fact that people bought it um, and carried on buying it—I think that's a measure of a magazine's success in a way, because they don't have to buy it; they could buy something else. Um, and you get people, you know, apart from the first issue where the letters were perhaps a little fabricated, you know, just people engaging with it. I mean, it's just so it's it's such a buzz to get people writing in, and even if they're criticising, it's just you know, it's really yeah, it, it really does make it all worthwhile. Yeah, well, with Charlie Brooker, of course, later in the zones, uh, a few years later, people used to write in to be abused <laughs> by Charlie Brooker, which was very popular. That went down quite well. Um, Theresa, you were down as publisher for, for the, only for the first two issues. Um, and I, I think you came back a few issues later and wrote a review or something like that. But um, where did you go to? Uh, where did I go? Um, I had a baby, I think, but I carried on working. Um, so I was doing freelance and I started doing um, – Pop books. So I wrote things about the Spice Girls and NSYNC. And you can still buy a Steps book by me. Um, and okay. um, stuff like that. And I did, I then also did uh, web reviews for Maxim. So all sort of men's type websites. So you can imagine the amount of um, dodgy spam I got for years on my email, sort of doing all these searches for things. Um, yes. Yeah, so I did lots of different. Um, different books, uh, wrote for different magazines. I didn't really do that much that much in the, in the way of games. I probably moved into doing pop things. And then I started doing, I did a couple of private projects for Felix. Uh, I did Dennis Diary, which was Dennis's internal um, staff magazine. Still no idea why they actually put it outside, given they were a publishing company, but I did that for a bit. So, yeah, basically contract publishing. I did a lot of stuff for BBC um, Good Food and Gardener's World, their show guides. But, I mean, you, you started out doing um, games, you, you know, like like mentioned, you know, your um, Zero and everything else. I mean, did you did you miss games or would you gone beyond games at that point? Oh, no, I, I regret. I regret um, working on your Sinclair and Zero in particular because probably because I was at the editorial side of it and closer to the creativity is probably I can say hand on heart probably the best time in my career um I loved it I loved the people I worked with um we just fell about with laughter we worked into the early hours um you know we we worked hard we played we were always in the pub if we weren't working I remember it very, very fondly. I don't know. Everybody else might think, oh, my God, it was the worst time of my life. But um, I really enjoyed it. And it was just a moment in time. It was at the beginning of, of the games industry. It was the beginning of, as you say, you know, the World Wide Web. You know, mobile phones were bricks and gradually got smaller and smaller. But I just felt that we were in a 
I don't think you could ever replicate that. It was just a particular moment in time where everything came together. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I do miss the games industry, but I don't think anyone would have me back <laughs> because I've been out of it too long. Um, Duncan, you well, you and Paul, you both left, I think, around the same kind of time. I guess, I guess after about a year, I guess it's the year is about, <laughs> both of you seem to do uh, games own for a year and then PCs own for a year. Um, Duncan, you 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 stayed at Dennis, didn't you? And did um... I, I started freelancing for various other things. So I worked in, I did, uh, I did a lot of marketing work for Felix, selling subscriptions. So yeah, basically had a big marketing department where they, um, yeah, the, the annoying things that fall out of the magazines to get you subscribed. Did that. Did redesign of and relaunch of Auto Express. And then Mac user. I, do, I worked on lots of different magazines. So okay, I, well, I kind of like the variety. Okay, so I mean, I'm I'm sure over the all the years since you've worked on all sorts of things. But what do, do you think? Do you have any particular regard for the games magazines you worked on? Was it um, different? I agree was with it Teresa. It was it was it was nice. I liked it. Yeah, it's probably my favourite time working okay. in publishing. I haven't worked in publishing now for twenty years. So oh, okay. Um, so I left. Yeah, yeah, so probably left yeah, at the right time. <laughs> uh, I would probably, yeah, I would probably be dead if I was still in it. Dead or yeah, yeah, just 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 through drinking. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I Got wouldn't on. have a wife either, probably. So yeah, dead and single, single and dead. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but I'm not. I, I'm married and alive, so it's good. Win win. God, I'm still working on magazines. It's 25 years now. <sighs> um, oh, and I, I make more money than I used to work. That was the downside of only downside of publishing was the lack yeah. of money. Yeah, but it, was, yeah. it was a good job. What about you, Paul? What's um because you went off to um, become an international spy? Yeah. Uh, eventually, but um, so I bizarre. I think I did about 18 months on PCs, and maybe it's a year. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I went off and worked on a. I did a complete career change and became a. Sort of financial journalist for a couple of years, then moseyed about doing bits of sort of freelance, and then I ended up at EMAP launching the website for Q Magazine, um, and did that for a couple of years. Then went to the BBC to run their comedy zone websites, and I went to Channel Four to do their property websites, and then I became an international spy after that. <laughs> oh, I worked on a TV series, a spectacularly unsuccessful. TV series I worked on it with Macca and in fact we worked with Duncan McDonald yeah. I think it was another, um, he did some work the, the thing that became his book mm. um, was originally something he wrote for us on attachments which was I, the, did the, uh, I, did, I designed the website for that actually which oh, didn't yeah. actually didn't work it was just screenshots because it wasn't actually the thing that's happening on did it with Vicky oh well but yes so so yeah we did so there was a TV series called attachments which was about a group of people running a website called see-through and the sort of twist was that see-through actually existed and it was a website and it developed as the storyline in the tv series um and developed it was by the people who'd done this life and things like that and it was a great idea but no one watched the show so it ran for two series uh so yeah I david williams was in it that's right yeah he was that he was played me he played the graphic designer yeah that's right. I'd forgotten that. Oh my goodness! I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So he came. He came to our studio with me and Vicky, and he wanted to find out what it was. What graphic designers do. And he must have been very bored when he looked at what I did because I sat there. <laughs> and um, yeah, 
and he I don't know how much of it he based on me but it's because you weren't doing lines of coke. Very uptight and, uh, yeah, not sure about his sexuality <laughs> in the show. Um, Tim, you you stuck it out for many, 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 many years after yeah. it launched. You you oversaw, well, I guess Escape, PC Gear, Visual Dreamcast. Um, are there any other games, Max? I can't remember. Is that it? Uh, um, I, don't even, I don't even remember PC Gear, I must admit. Um, but, but. Ministry magazine Ministry, I got in, yeah. involved with. Uh that was that was fun. Yeah. I mean it, it, it was it was cool, but um the saddest things were the death of, of the other mags apart from PC Zone, which was just horrible. Um and I think we just couldn't compete um with with future and the other magazines. Um Alistair Ramsey, who was managing director at the time, um said to me after he'd left Dennis, so this is years and years and years afterwards, he became a non-executive director of, um, I think it was Paragon Publishing, the down in Bournemouth. And he said, I've suddenly realized well, we never made any money, Tim. It's because we paid everybody too much and we had an office in London instead of on the seaside. <laughs> so, they'd be, you know, we could have halved our overheads if we'd moved out of London and, and then all those magazines would have survived and thrived. But um, it was but good the model fun. Now you could be all freelance, wouldn't you? I mean, now you you wouldn't even need an office. You wouldn't need an office, and people wouldn't even get paid. I mean, oh, <laughs> it, it boils my piss um, seeing how little people get paid. Um, I mean, we all felt hard done by back then, but mm. I mean, it's even worse now. Um, if oh, you know, for yeah, young no, journalists, I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, um, people are when I, I mean. How much were you paying back in the days of, of your of your your Sinclair, Teresa? How much were you paying per word? Because I read an article recently that was around thirty five p a word. Is that right? Freelance rates. Thirty five p a word. God, I think it was about one hundred and twenty pound a thousand rings a bell with me. That might be wrong. I can remember oh, my can't starting salary when I joined what was Bunch Books. I remember joining on six thousand pounds a year. I, well, I joined I in '97. Like I say, I was I was 12. No, was it 12 or 16? I can't remember. But I, I was. People are amazed now when I say, "Oh, we, when I was on Zone, it was 25 fee a word for free, like the freelance rate, or, or 20 or 25." And people are amazed now because it's these days it's five five cents, isn't it? You're lucky if you get five cents a word. Yeah, I, I remember David McCandless coming in. And telling me with great glee that he he didn't need us anymore because he was being paid a dollar a word by Wired magazine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not like that anymore, I tell you. Yeah, he I, when I, I when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, he was he did bring that up and said, uh, yeah, he thought he'd made it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I still remember the David McCandless that walked into the office when he was 14, 15, desperate for anything to write up for us. It's yeah. funny, isn't it, how, you know, everyone's gone on very different pathways. Yeah, yeah, it is it's it is funny. Um, but, yeah, to go back to your question, uh, Richie, the, um, I think I was just there for so long because I couldn't think of anything else to do and I was enjoying drinking far too much um and i remember being staggered when um i got called in and uh they made me redundant and then i remember about a day later thinking 
why did it take them so long? Because <laughs> I really don't do very much here, uh, and except <laughs> draw a salary and drink a great deal and and take lots of PRs and industry people out for lunch. And that was really my contribution to the the last few years of, of PC Zone and everything. So, well, you you've uh, said that you've you protected Zone. That was your job. You felt yeah, you it was. Him. I I did because uh, like every like every time you launch a magazine, right, and it ends up failing or or being closed, it is horrible. It's really you know the amount of love and effort that gets poured in by a launch team is extraordinary. And I think the one that hit me hardest was Escape because um escape was actually really weird and different and dangerous and free kind of a lads internet magazine it it was it it was and and yeah we did some kind of lads mag type stuff but uh, i always felt that it was it was kind of it was like a surreal version of loaded and fhm rather than being the kind of like straight in your face lads mag stuff so it was just slightly odd and and dangerous and we i mean that in that first year we did some incredible bits uh the first issue got pulped because felix didn't like the joke about the queen mother being on the deadpool um which was uh, an early internet thing where people bet you know bet on who was going to be the next famous person to die and the queen mother was always at the top of it and ronald reagan was second and we had a picture of the queen mother in we had to pulp the first issue of escape because felix didn't like the fact the queen mother was in it because he was wanting to get um some kind of recognition in the new year's honors (laughs) so we had to pulp it and put a picture of ronald reagan in who he didn't give a shit about so um yeah it was amusing um but yeah so so i i did kind of after the death of escape i i kind of felt like i was there to protect the pc zone from from being sold or or um dis- destroyed because it w- it was always great i mean uh, for years and years and years it went on and it was so much better than pc gamer no offense to people who liked pc gamer but it was funny and it was different um and it was courageous and all of those awesome things and yeah i, I really loved it but yeah i think um we all just drank too much and had too much fun yes that's true that's true okay um I think we're going to leave it there. Um, thank you, everyone, for um, <laughs> for um, persisting through our technical difficulties at the beginning and uh, sticking with for, oh, gosh, look at that, well over an hour. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, your memories. It's great to hear. I, I hope it was uh, fun. So uh, thank you, Paul, Duncan, Teresa, Tim. Um, uh, for your time and yes and i I hope we can um all talk again and like i said i hope you can all come to the uh the reunion in july which would be great great to see you yeah thank you pc zones alive oh well who wants to live forever (laughs) 